Uh, it's grand to have the, uh, have, have the privilege of, of sharing the word. And you'll most probably know that I've got the privilege of sharing the word because cause Phil's down south in Swindon with the lots of men. There's about like two and a half thousand of them sort of gathered for uh, Christian Vision for Men weekend. So they've had a cracking time down there and they'll be traveling up maybe lunchtime-ish. Uh, so Phil's down there and, and Lisa's with God, I'm sure you say this, this wrong, God Manchester Church. I don't, know where, I don't know where that is. Anyone know where it is? Okay, oh, thank you. Uh, Cambridge. Uh, so she's doing a, a church weekend there. And so we're going to pray for, for them as, as they're far away. And also, you know, sitting on the front row and hearing the singing was a bit different to usual because not a lot of men's voices. And, but we can just, again, bless the, the families who've almost like released their men to go down there in Swindon for, for the weekend. Um, so before I share the word, we're going to pray for, for Phil and the guys and, and, and Lisa. And pray for Catherine too. She's over at Ilkley Baptist taking the service there. Um, so let's, let's pray as we come to the word. I also have a cadet in there. As you know, this is the second week end of the I Am series that's linked with the Do You Know Him? So the theme that I'm picking up will be being covered across the town this morning in different ways. And some of those will be being recorded, so you can pick them up on, uh, on various sort of uh, online uh, means. That the town today is considering what Jesus meant when he said, I am the bread of life. So let's, let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you that you are our Lord and we gather as church around you. And we thank you for those gathering in Swindon, all those guys down there, and, and we thank you for how they've been meeting with you these past few days and just rest your hand of blessing upon them as that time comes to an end and, and bring them back to us safely. And thank you for Lisa and the, and the gifts that you poured into her and, and the way that you're using her at this time too uh, to share with your church in a different part of the country. And for Catherine, a bit close to the home over in Ilkley, Lord, bless her too as she leads that church service. And, and here in this town and in this place, as your word is shared, look after it, please. And help us to understand what you want us to hear. That we would understand a little bit more of what it means when you say, I am the bread of life. Amen. Just crack on, right? <laughs> right, I should. We might have visuals at some stage in the future, but hey. When I was looking at some of the pointers for, for this, this sermon, the, uh, the thought of essentials was given. The bread of life, bread's an essential part of, of uh, certainly was in the time of Jesus, an essential part of every day. And so you ponder on what, what is essential. What's essential clothing when you think of the guys going down to Swindon, down to the gathering, I'm like, as they were packing their bags, can you imagine Steve packing his bag? Thinking, now, what's the essentials? 
or filthy. What must I take? Clothing, cosmetics, whatever they might have to put in their bag to take down to Swindon. Or if somebody wants to sell you something, it's essential. You've got to have it. Uh, some of you, when you buy stuff uh, in store, you'll get the invitation, would you like to sign up to our emails? And then we'll, we'll keep you up to date with our latest. Well, I got, I got an email from Crag Hoppers yesterday about your festival essentials. And I sort of scrolled through the sort of things I would need. Anyway, I won't go into that. But what is this? I keep, I keep looking out the corner of my eye just in case. What's essential for, for you? What's essential for me? It's always got to have a purpose, hasn't it? When we use the word essential, it's essential for something. And we start to unpack the way Jesus said, I am the bread of life. And we take that phrase as being referring to some essential aspect to what Jesus is presenting us. What is it essential for? There's a definition of the word essential. I like going back to definitions. And the definition of the word essential is this. Absolutely necessary. Extremely important. Fundamental or central to the nature of something. Something required for normal growth and therefore necessary in the diet. And if we think again at that phrase that Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Just take a few moments to ponder. And when those of you in small groups look at the notes from, from this morning, I'll be asking you to take a few minutes over this. But just think on that definition Absolutely necessary, extremely important, fundamental, central to the nature of something, required for normal growth, and that definition, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of, I am absolutely essential. If you want to grow, I am the bread of life. And in that conversation that Jesus had with the people, they'd fairly recently been the feeding of the 5,000. And the people's interests had been, had been stirred by that. And they were puzzled by Jesus. And Jesus often took those questions that people had and sometimes answered them, sometimes didn't. But he, he drew them on that little bit further. But one thing was always sure about Jesus was that he was the lifter of people's heads. He came with a message of hope and he wanted to stir expectation where expectation had died. He wanted to give people a sense of a future where all there was was the past. And the folk that he, he spoke with they referred back to the time in the wilderness when they had the manna given to them. And they had a, a religious heritage. They had stories from the past of when God had worked within their individual lives or communities. But Jesus was coming to them so that they could write their own 
history. They could write their own stories of God at work within their lives. He wasn't content just to leave them with a nostalgic faith. He was coming to say, I am the bread of life to give them a future and a hope. And God does not want us to keep looking back. This is another question that you've been looking at during the weeks. There's benefits in looking back. Of course there is. But we're not called to live in the past. We're called to build on that. And with the grace and the promises of God to look forward. And if there's one sort of fundamental theme that was impressed on me as I sort of pondered this story, which all of us know quite well, that God was looking to fulfill His purposes for His people. Now, you can, you can look back to that Old Testament story in Exodus. And maybe if I could just read just a few verses from Exodus 16 when we read about, about the manna that the people had, had left Egypt and they were being led through the wilderness. And Exodus 16 says this, On the 15th day of the second month after they had left Egypt, the whole company of Israel moved on from Elim to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elim and Sinai. The whole company of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron there in the wilderness. The Israelites said, Why didn't God let us die in the comfort in Egypt when we had lamb stew and all the bread we could eat? You brought us out into this wilderness to starve us to death, the whole company of Israel. And God said to Moses, I'm going to rain bread down from the skies for you. The people will go out and gather each day's ration. I'm going to test them to see if they'll live according to my teaching or not. And on the sixth day, when they prepare what they have gathered, it will turn out to be twice as much as their daily ration. Moses and Aaron told the people of Israel, This evening you will know that it is God who brought you out of Egypt. And in the morning you will see the glory of God. Yes, He is listening to your complaints against Him. You haven't been complaining against us, you know, but against God. So Jesus took that story from their history and said, you're not going to live just with a story in the past, but you're going to have your own story to tell in the future. The manna was a response to the people's hunger. Their, dis their dissatisfaction. And the people Jesus spoke to, there was a dissatisfaction with the way things were. Way back in Exodus, there was that dissatisfaction, the hunger. But what it, what it opened up was an opportunity for God to demonstrate not just His power, but the incident of the manna demonstrated the compassion of God. The alertness of God, the grace of God, and the commitment of God to His purposes. It was another miraculous way that God met their needs. 
God uses the manna to underline his commitment that he will fulfill his intentions for Israel. He will fulfill his intentions for the people he called out of Egypt. And Jesus, taking that, that story, was again using it to illustrate to the people, God will fulfill his purposes. I am the ultimate fulfillment of God's purposes for this people. I am the true bread of life that comes down from heaven. Even to that very fact, he says, I will raise them up on the last day. Is an evidence that he is the ultimate fulfillment of God's plans and God's purposes for Israel. He was the real bread of heaven. God was fulfilling his purposes for his people. And fulfilling his purposes is what he says to us too. Because just like Jesus had the conversations with the people. And he took their puzzling and he took their questioning and he took their, their disappointments and started to raise their hopes. He does the same thing for us too. And we know that whatever we receive on a Sunday morning, whatever we receive through our, our daily reading of the Word, whatever we receive as we gather together in small groups, it's got to be something that applies to us as we go day after day into the world. And so this story from the Old Testament, this incident from the New Testament, has an echo for us as we look into tomorrow morning. Jesus is saying that whatever he brings to us is fundamental to life. And it's an evidence of God's commitment to us. We can lose sight, just like the people in the time of Jesus, we can lose sight of our real hope and our real purpose and what is possible. And Jesus comes to lift our eyes again. To lift our eyes again. Sometimes we get so busy and we get so, so thronged by the calls on everyday life. Sometimes you just get numbed by, for some of us, the sheer monotony of everyday life. But Jesus comes to lift our heads and says, look what is possible. Look what is possible and it's possible because I am the bread of life. I am the essential ingredient. I'm the essential part of your, of your diet that's going to give you that growth that you need. That God will fulfill His purposes for you and within you and through you. God has purposes to fulfill in and through you. God has a purpose for you. God has a call upon your life. <laughs> right, where am I? <laughs> is, that more, is that more or less what I'm up to? Hang on a minute. Oh, okay. <laughs> so as it says there <laughs> Jesus the bread of life demonstrates God's commitment to us 
to his world. And he has a purpose for us that includes dealing with our past, enriching our present, and giving us confidence as we face the future, both near and far. But part of the challenge is, if something is essential, how are you going to react to it? If we're just dealing with a whim, a whim can come and go. And we've all had our whims in life. Maybe some things that we started so enthusiastically, but then it didn't last. Your training regime, or whatever it might have been you've been involved in. Also, all kinds of things that are just a whim to us. But Jesus says, I am essential. And if somebody tells you something is essential, it behoves us to take notes of that, isn't it? And to the, how am I going to change my life to accommodate what Jesus is saying to me? Or is he just going to be an added extra? Are we going to make changes in response to what Jesus might be saying to us this morning, that he is the bread of life? Sorry? Where do I point? Do I point where, where do I point this? Over there. I pointed at Helen. Never mind. <laughs> Click. Oh, <laughs> oh well, at least you remember something of this morning anyway. You know, as Jesus said, because the people said, you know, okay, you're, you're, you're offering us hope. What do we have to do? What do we have to do? And Jesus said, accept God's approval of me. God, accept God's approval of me. And then you can see something of his purposes being fulfilled. And I've said this already, we cannot live in someone else's history. We have our own life to lead, our history to make, our own response to Jesus. It's for us to do it. Don't try and walk in somebody else's shoes. Walk in your own shoes with God and say yes to Jesus. Because Jesus Jesus stands before us bringing the revolution of God's compassion, alertness, grace, and commitment to His purposes. When He looks at your life, when He looks at my life, the first reaction He has is compassion. The first thing that it's at the essence of who God is, is His love. And we know that there is no circumstance that we encounter that can separate us from the love of God that is ours. Through Jesus. You know, you, you, read, you read some of the stuff in the epistles. I mean, this is from Romans 8. Just read Romans 8. Just read it every day. Take it in the message and read it and read it and read it. And let it soak within you. That sense of commitment of God to you, to me. Primarily out of his compassion and his love for us. Even if our head is down there and we're almost on our knees, the love of God is ours. 
His commitment to us is not one of judgment, but one of compassion. But it's not just a compassion that stays distant, but it's a compassion that is alert. Just like in the Exodus story, that God responded to the needs of the people. Yes, he had compassion as they complained and mourned, but that compassion was in action through the alertness. Just like new parents with a, a new baby. Some of you know we've got a new grandson. Bryn. Got a bit of a Welsh to it, Bryn. I don't know, I can't say it properly. But Amy and Ross's attentiveness when Bryn's going... <laughs> He might have been here this morning and he would have maybe done it for himself. <laughs> the attentiveness of a, of a parent to a child. Do you think your Heavenly Father is any different? Yet even more acute, the way that he knows that the slightest cry in your heart, he knows. And then he, he, he comes to us in his grace. Just like with the people of Israel in Exodus. He came with grace. And yes, through his dealings with them, they were going to learn more about who he was. As he said, you know, the next day you're going to see the glory of God. But he dealt with them in grace as he came to provide them with the manna. And the manna was there so that they wouldn't go back to Egypt. <laughs> That's why the manna was there. He reacted with compassion alertness and grace and a commitment to his purposes for Israel. Click. Click again. Thank you. You know, in Exodus 16, the people said, we want to go back to Egypt. We had lamb, stew, and bread every day. The people looked back. If only we'd stayed in Egypt. But you know what? God was not having that. God was not having that. God did not want his people to return to Egypt. He wanted them to press on to the promised land. And he wants me to press on to the calling he has on my life. He wants you to press on to the calling He has on your life. And that calling can be expressed in lots of different ways. There's different times in our lives when our calling is different. There was a time when I was called to be a teacher. There was a time when I was called to be the pastor of a church. There was a time when I was called into certain areas. I've been called to be a husband for a long time. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and the Father for not quite as long. <laughs> the calling of God's in our lives in lots of different ways, isn't it? And God wants us to fulfill the purposes He has for us in that calling. But you know, in, even though in different seasons of our life there are different things we can identify as God's call, there is one supreme call that we all have. And Jesus is determined 
that this will be fulfilled. Romans 8, 28 and 29 says this. It says that we are called according to His purposes for us. For God knew His people in advance and He chose them to be like His Son. Now, if you want a calling to lift your head and give you purpose tomorrow morning, your calling, my calling, is to be like the Son. You know, there might be other things that you look back on and think, I, I, I wish I was still. I mean, I could say, I wish I was still pastor at Clayton Baptist Church, but that's gone. Yes, there's value in looking back and there's rejoicing in looking. There's all kinds of... Stuff can come from looking back, but I'm not called to live there. I'm called to live now. And the high calling I have is to seek to be like the sun. The high calling each of us has is to be like Jesus. And Jesus wants us to keep pressing on to see that come true. Because what a revolution there would be within our communities and families if more and more we radiated the life of Jesus. Jesus doesn't want us to draw back. He wants us to press on. Now, I know some of my weaknesses and shortcomings. I also know that God has, has done a work within me over the years. It would be dishonoring to Him to deny that. But I also know that He, he, he knows how much more there is still to do. Now we are to grow more like Him. When we see Him, we will be like Him. <laughs> There's a glorious hope for us, but until then, let's press on in the purpose that He's called us to do, and that is to be like Jesus. And it doesn't matter what your political views are. It doesn't matter what your job is. It doesn't matter where you live. It doesn't matter your family circumstances. Passionately desire to be like Jesus. And if you do passionately desire to be like Jesus, what you're doing is you're sharing his passion for you too. Because he passionately wants you to be like him too. Just like in that incident from John 6. He said, I'm the bread of life. I'm the bread that comes down from heaven. And if you, if you hunger and you, and you believe in me, you will never die. You'll never hunger again. I will satisfy the deepest hunger that you have. And within us, especially those of us who've, who name the name of Jesus and who seek to follow him, that is now the deepest hunger within you. And God is growing that hunger within you to want to be more like Jesus. God will fulfill His purposes within us if we come to the Son. And that was the thing with the people of the time of Jesus, wasn't it? They said, you know, what, what must we do for all these great things to happen? And Jesus said, believe in the Son. Believe in the Son. Believe in the Son. And that becomes our call. Because God is committed to us. 
And I led the 915 service, and we, we, we shared the Lord's Prayer there. And there's that line in the Lord's Prayer, isn't there? Where it says, give us this day our daily bread. And maybe it doesn't completely translate into what Jesus is saying in John 6. But there's an echo of it. And there's a sense where day by day, we come to him and say, Jesus, you are my bread of life. And I receive you this day to walk with you so you can fulfill your purposes within me. Namely, to be more like him. And that will evidence itself in our... I mean, I, you just have to think about Jesus and how he lived. And how growing to be more like him will influence our reaction to other people. The crossing of barriers. How many boundaries do I have that I won't cross? For various, whether it be hang-ups or weaknesses within me, where I don't take the love of Christ that little bit, little bit further. But as we, as we receive him daily, more and more he works within us, his character. More and more we become channels of his power and his blessing. But we trust him to do it. Jesus, today I receive you as bread of life. I want to live your teaching. I want to pour out your spirit. I want to be as you so you fulfill your purposes in me. And I am there to enable your purposes to be fulfilled in the community and family where you put me. It was a call to the hungry. <laughs> it was a call to the hungry. And the question is, as, as, as we draw to a close, are we hungry? Are we hungry? Because Jesus says, and if you read the story, these, these imperatives are there. He says, look, believe, come. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your, your compassion to us. Thank you for the love of the Father that's expressed through you. And we thank you for your attentiveness to our heart's cry. And we thank you for your grace that's, that brings you to us, not in a spirit of condemnation, but in the spirit of openness. You come to us in the, in the kindness that's an expression of the heart of the Father. And you say with the, with the strength that comes, with the commitment of God, I'm going to take you on. And I'm going to take you further. I'm going to change you more and more to be like me. Jesus, we, we, we agree with you. We say, make us more like you. As we come to you daily. To receive you. 
as our bread of life. That we walk a walk that brings glory to the Father and a fullness to our spirits. And we pray in your name, Jesus. Amen.